0: Let me ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 12. You may be thinking, what a a strange place to start Holy Week in the book of Exodus. Exodus 12. When it came out a few weeks ago, I went to see uh, the movie Son of God. And sometimes I go to those kinds of movies just because I know that people will be asking me questions about it. And so I will, uh, I'll go and um, watch them and, and try to make an assessment and, and so on. And I, I'll say that, you know, in, in reality... <laughs> The first thing I have to get over is sitting there in the movie theater with the noise of people eating popcorn around you while the Lord is doing stuff on, on the screen. It's, it's just a, a strange, very artificial uh, kind of situation. And yet, uh, this one of, of the number that I have seen had some positive things about it, it as all of them, because it's impossible to uh, uh, to do the Scripture justice uh, in that kind of a dimension. It had some weaknesses as well. But there was one scene that probably was my, my favorite scene uh, of that particular movie. And it was uh, as they were showing the crucifixion, uh, they... Uh, took a a long shot, drawing away from uh, a close-up on the cross and the crosses. And so you could see them in the background, and it, it took you all the way down to Jerusalem. And there was a man there that was holding a lamb, evidently about to take the life of the lamb. Now, that was very meaningful to me. And yet, as Connie and I talked about it afterwards, uh, we were talking about parts we liked and, and that kind of thing. And I, I, I said that. The question between us was, well, but would people that uh, were maybe not as familiar with Scripture, would they, would that, would that mean anything to them? And, and the answer is, I, I'm not sure that it would. And so that draws me to why we today are in Exodus. 12 I want us to understand that when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem into this city that was full of people there to celebrate the Passover that was no coincidence That was no accident. It wasn't just because there was a big crowd there and that would be a good place for him to go. This was in God's precious plan of revealing the nature of the atonement as he had introduced way back in the Old Testament. And we read in Exodus 12, with the context of this being as uh, God's people are uh, in slavery. And there had been the plagues, and the final plague is uh, spoken of. And then we read this about the Passover. The Lord said, to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of the persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the, this month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And then if you skip down to verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together. Lord, as we consider this for these few moments, will you... Teach us of the nature of your precious sacrifice for us. The atonement that brought reconciliation between you and your people. Will you teach us? Will you apply it? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's take a look, first of all, at, at what was required. Uh, obviously, where I read in Exodus, that was the, uh, the, the first Passover, and we sometimes talk about uh, during Passion Week, we talk about the Last Supper. I think, I think it would be okay. I think it would really be right for... Uh, us from a Christian perspective to talk about you know either the, the first supper or the last Passover uh, either one of those would be uh, more accurate because what we see is a fulfillment taking place there that was, that was the picture in the movie that uh, those who put it together the directors uh, you know, the, the screenplay writers we're trying to show that what was going on there was a fulfillment of what was taking place. Now, if I were the director, <laughs> I probably would have reversed the two, <laughs> you know, and, and said, here's, here's the, what's in the backdrop. Of course, I don't know how you'd film that, but in the backdrop is the Passover of what we see here On the cross. Now let's look at the the Passover, first of all, in Exodus. You see uh, the first Passover lamb in Exodus 12, uh, verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now, why was it to be a year old? Why a yearling? Uh, When I was in Pennsylvania, I was the the pastor of a, a church in a county that had way more sheep than people. And so some of our people, they were, they were coal miners, and, and we had some that were sheep farmers. And so I had an opportunity to learn a little bit. I mean, I don't know much, but I, I asked some questions, especially around this time. And here's what I had hoped would be the answer. You know, why why a yearling? I had hoped, because, because this would have preached, I had hoped that the answer would have been, because that's when they're the most valuable. Well, nobody gave me that answer. I, I asked more than one, because I... I uh, the answer that I've, I've come to the conclusion of is that by that time, you would know whether they had a blemish or not. You know, if you got them too young, you wouldn't necessarily even know. But by the time they're a yearling, you could tell whether it was a a crippled lamb or had some other flaw. And that brings us to the, the second thing that was necessary. And in the same verse, your lamb shall be without blemish, without defect. Now, you go over, we're not going to do this right now, but if you look over in Leviticus 22, um, specifically, it, it speaks of how and why an animal that has a defect cannot be given to God. And, and I think for most of us, that's going to be obvious. You, know, you don't give God your, your leftovers. You don't give God that which you don't want. It's, it's not a sacrifice, it, it would not be proper. It shows your attitude about God if you're going to give him, oh, there's the crippled lamb. I could never sell it. I, you know, I don't want that. I don't want a breeding and so on. And well, I think I'll give that one to God. Well, we, we see that's, that's not uh, the right attitude. And so here it, 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 they are to have a lamb without blemish, without defect. And then there's another thing it it says over in uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 46. It indicates they must not break any of the lamb's bones. Just put that on the the side burner. Um, But that would also be unusual when you're uh, sacrificing something. The next thing we see is uh, verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. So you had to shed the blood of the lamb. Before that, uh, the lamb really couldn't do them any good. It had some intrinsic value, but it couldn't really do them any good uh, because it wasn't, it, nothing was applied to them. And so it was after the shedding of the blood, and then uh, the, the blood, as you, many of you well know this story, they, they would put it on, on the lintel over the doorposts. So it would be very visible from the outside. And here's the reason why. This is the benefit. Verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Okay, so there's a sign for you, right? Not, not, not the first thing that said isn't that this is for God. It's a sign for you. But then it says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt. Now this is the last plague on the Egyptians. And only those who did as God said by putting that that blood on the lintel of the doorpost, they would be the only ones that were spared. Their sons, their family. And the angel of death would pass over, would pass by them. That's the application of the blood. Now, what does all this have to do with why Jesus chose Passover? There were lots of feasts. There were lots of uh, times that uh, Jesus could have had a big crowd, and then there there were other things that were pointing to different parts of salvation that the Jews took part in. But everything that I've just mentioned, everything about Passover, points to the nature of the atonement. The atonement, meaning the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for his people to save us, from our sins. Now let's take a look at uh, the the what I'm calling the Last Passover Lamb. First uh, Corinthians five says this: "Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed." So there's Paul identifying Christ as the Passover lamb. And by the way, we're going to look at that verse more closely on uh, Thursday before we partake of the Lord's Supper. And I hope that between now and then, you'll be preparing your hearts for that special service. Uh, To me, that's one of those services that is special in and of itself but it, it makes Resurrection Sunday even more. It puts it in such context. So I hope that you will be preparing for that, and we'll, we'll look at that for a few moments. But there we see Paul identifying Christ as a Passover lamb. And before that, we have uh, in John 129, John the baptizer. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So John and Paul both identify Jesus with this phrase, this phrase that, that would point everyone, you know, all of the Jews that held Passover so dear as such a, a, a special time uh, for their family and remembering God's faithfulness and his salvation. And now we see that they're both honing in, pointing to Jesus as that one that brings about fulfillment. Now, let's see where the parallels are. We had uh, the the yearling, you know, the the, uh, basically mature lamb, so that you could tell in terms of uh, any defects and so on. Isaiah 53, and uh, I often read this during the Lord's Supper as we pass the elements. But that passage tells us so much about uh, the atonement. It says this, beginning with verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now, that bothers some people. The idea that the father would strike at his son, where does that fit in? Well, let's do a little theology. The term expiation. this is a a description of expiation where the the sins of those that Jesus offered himself for were transferred to him to be paid for. He's our substitute. The substitutionary atonement, and we usually use the term uh, P-E-N-A-L, meaning penalty penalty. Penal substitutionary atonement. And that's what we see here. Listen to more of Isaiah 53. And I I sometimes will read it with this emphasis. Verse 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned, everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, upon Jesus, that's what it's pointing to, the iniquity of us all. So, like the emphasis on uh, the, the yearling lamb that uh, was mature, that you could see if there were any Flaws, Jesus had grown to be a man. Now, this is an awful way to think about it, but suppose somebody somewhere had sacrificed a little baby and said, We're sacrificing this baby for our sin because this, this child or this baby doesn't have sin. How do we? No. And yet, with Jesus, we see him not a yearling but full grown, having faced the kinds of things that that we face, and yet without sin, being tempted by the things that we've been tempted by, and yet not falling into the temptation to the point of sin. And so here we have the last Passover lamb who is qualified to be sacrificed. We read further in terms of him being without defect over in 1 Peter 1, 19. It talks about us being ransomed from our past, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So how are we purchased? Well, almost identical words to the Old Testament. With the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And we're purchased by the shedding of blood. I want to encourage you this week, we're not going to do it right now, but this week to go to the Gospels and read the crucifixion accounts, read to what took place, you read them all, and then you've got a, a fuller picture of his seven last sayings and so on from the cross in preparation for Thursday and in preparation for next Lord's Day, but it's the shedding of the blood. Barbaric, isn't it? Yes, it is. He went through that so that we don't have to. That's what the cross was about. And we read about uh, no bones. Being broken. And that was the case with Jesus as well. Now, how, does, how is that protection applied to us? In the Old Testament, we have the, the blood put on the, uh, the lintel, the doorpost. How about us? How are we protected by that blood? You know, we couldn't have sung a better hymn in preparation for this, Wash me in his precious blood. Now, there's no question that's one of those Christian phrases because, you know, from the outside, somebody say, Wash in blood, how, how does that cleanse? And that's what we're talking about. The only way that cleanses is if, if it's the, the, the blood of the perfect lamb. That's when it cleanses for us. This is what it says in. Romans 3.25, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood. Okay, we've had expiation. Here's propitiation. Make sure you tell all your friends tomorrow, what did you learn in church yesterday? You've got to write these down. Well, we learned expiation and propitiation. What did you learn in church? All right? Propitiation, I'm going to define it in a moment. By his blood to be received by the faith. By faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over, he had passed over former sins. Then Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's where propitiation comes comes in, and that is that that Christ endured the penalty of God's wrath. As I said, some people don't, they want to forget about that. They want to pretend like it's not there. Well, you can pretend like it's not there all you want that doesn't deal with it. A holy God must deal with sin for him to remain perfectly holy. Holy. So that's what propitiation is. It's dealing with God's wrath. But it shows us two things. One is it it shows us the seriousness of God's reaction to sin, which too often is way too soft-pedaled. But secondly, and don't forget this, it shows the greatness of his love. The one who was offended, the one who was brought to wrath, made a way to deal with his own wrath so that he wouldn't have to pour it out upon his people. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And then in Revelation 1.5, it ends with, To him who who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So the angel of death that passed over uh, the people in the Old Testament physical death in that case passes over Christ's followers. That angel of eternal death because of the blood of Christ that is applied to us. You see, that's what salvation is. That's what it is to be freed from our sins. I've often thought, what if... Wouldn't it be something if when a believer came to Christ that somehow, would it make a difference if that blood was visible on us? Would we act differently? Would others act differently towards us? But know this. It may not be visible between us, but Satan sees it and so does the Father. And that's the good news. So Jesus enters Jerusalem at Passover to fulfill it. He entered triumphantly, then later that week was arrested and tried and crucified. Now here's one last thing I want to leave with you about him as the lamb. When we think of a lamb, we think of a a peaceful little non-threatening animal And so here Jesus is called the Lamb of God. Make no mistake, he was not a victim in this. This was his choice and the Father's choice and the the precious Holy Spirit's choice. It was the plan. And though he was the Lamb, he was in control of every moment of that time. And he willingly became the sacrifice, unlike any other lamb. He willingly took our place. And if you want to know the character of that lamb, you know, there were all kinds of confrontations that week during, during uh, Passover week, confrontations with Jesus, but there's going to be another big confrontation at the end of time. And this is what it says in Revelation 17, verse 14. They will make war on the Lamb. There's a difference in this Lamb. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and king of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's the good news. Hallelujah! He's the victor. Let's pray together. O Lamb of God, You have told us in this world we will have tribulation, but take courage because you have overcome the world, and we are reminded of that. We will have tribulation. We are, some of us, having it now. But help us to know that it's not going to end this way. They will make war on you But you will conquer them, just like you conquered death. Thank you for that, Lord of lords and King of kings. Thank you for taking us with you in this. We pray in the precious name of the Lamb. Amen.